People with your host, Dennis Beard. As you know, we're always talking about the ceiling, the carved work, the cherubim of glory, the work of the ministry in the last days, which is a strange work. And God bringing to pass his act is strange act. It is a radical change from the former reign in Pentecost to that of the latter reign in Tabernacles. It's a radical change. So much that people that do not know and stay in the flowing, proceeding Word of God will say it's not God. It's not Him. They will literally come against the Word of God thinking that God has not changed seasons and gone on in progressive glorification of the body of Christ. And just like always, only those that are of pure heart will see it. When you see the song, Canticles uh, 3, verse 9, Uh, We have mentioned that in the previous podcast. And just to hit on it lightly and the work of the ministry and going into those cherubim that overshadowed the mercy seat. It shadows the mercy seat, Paul said, which we cannot now speak particularly. It was something that could not be spoken in Pentecost or in that season in the embryonic church age until the tabernacle season came in. It was unlawful to speak. You are literally getting ahead of the proceeding word of God. And that's exactly what Judas Iscariot did. He thought that if he provoked Jesus to where he would have to fight or literally lose his life and betray him with a kiss, that it would force the Lord to set up his kingdom, the kingdom of God right then, not understanding the work of the ministry not understanding the church age, just thinking that he could provoke and they betrayed the Lord with a kiss. And always missing the mark when the uh, the alabaster oil was bro- broken and uh, washed Jesus' feet and wiped it with her hair. And uh, Judas Iscariot said immediately, why wasn't this sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And the Lord says she's done a good work. That uh, many that are always contentious with the preceding word of God because the heart's not right. When the heart is right and that love for God will allow the person to keep the commandments of God. Now, as we've mentioned before, there's four different types of love in the Greek. And that is storge, which is that love for the family, a paternal love for the children and the children to the parents. And then there is an eros, which is essential, sexual. And then there's phileo, brotherly love, a kindly affection, affectionate love. And then, of course, God's love, unconditional, uh, which is sacrificial, self-devotional. And that is agape. This love, the love that God has for us, we're to have to one another. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And that commandment is I command you to love one another. That's not a suggestion. And that is agape love, the same love that I have for you and to you, that same love you have toward one one toward another. The love your neighbor is yourself to pray for them that despitefully use you and love your enemies. 
which there's no way that can be done in an intellectual or just a storge, phileo, or eros love. It's agape love. And that is the catalyst for God is love. And that love constrains us to obey God, keep his commandments. Those that love God keep his commandments. It's an obedience and a sacrificial life because we love him. Now in Song 3, in Canticles 3, verse 9, it says, and well, we'll start with verse 7. And it comes out, well, we'll back it up to verse 6. Uh, who is this that cometh out of the wilderness? Notice it's coming out of the wilderness. And out of the wilderness is where that we are tried to see if we love the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That wilderness is a trial of testing. Forty years is a forty is the number four testings. Forty years in the wilderness. Now, of course, now we're pilgrims and strangers in this world, which is our wilderness. And we have no continuing city here. But we're looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. And there's one, a voice of one, not a division. It's in the unity of the faith, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. It is a restitution, a restoration voice. It's a Malachi 3 voice. It is the voice of that spirit of Elijah that will precede, precede the second coming of Jesus in the second advent. Just as John the Baptist foreran Jesus' first coming, the suffering Messiah, Amashiach bin Yosef, so also will the, in the spirit of Elijah be on John, the body of Christ, before Jesus' second coming, the second advent, when he comes a second time without sending the salvation for his saints. We find there this is coming out of the wilderness. When Jesus came into the order of Melchizedek, being baptized of John and Jordan, not being able to take that ministry until age 30 because he was under the law as our kinsman redeemer to redeem us that were under the law, Galatians 4, verse 4. And when he did, there he went, the Spirit immediately drave him into the wilderness, there to be tempted of Satan. Well, why would the Son of God have to be tempted of Satan? Because the captain of our salvation, which is the way, truth, and life, is revealing to us that we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer, and that is overcoming the devil, the world, and our own flesh. Therefore, the Spirit drave Jesus into the wilderness, there to be tempted of Satan. Even the Son of God tempted in the body of his flesh, in his body of flesh and blood first, and turned the stones into bread. Then, secondly, uh, cast yourself off a pinnacle. It was in the soul realm. And then, thirdly, in his human spirit, uh, bow down and worship Satan and give you all the kingdoms. Notice he comes out of the wilderness in the fullness and power of God. But the catalyst that brings this to, to being is not our love. It's the love that God has for us that is given by faith to every man, is dealt to every, every man the measure of faith. It's not of any man that can boast, but it's simply of God, in God, and through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, here we're coming into a place where we're talking about 
a wedding procession. And it is progressing along. And then he's coming out of the wilderness. And this is Psalm 3, verse 7. Well, 6, really. Who is this that cometh out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense, with all powders of the merchant? Now, we know that the myrrh and frankincense is what they use for anointing for a burial. These are the ones that have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And this is, the whole catalyst behind it is love. Agape, God's love, unconditional love. Not that we first loved God, that he first loved us. And while while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And hereby perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren because he said, I command you to love one another even as I have loved you. And that is final, adding to the faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and it's progression, progressing in the knowledges of God and being conformed to his image in all things and all truth. Then from that godliness, the God life, and the brotherly kindness, now we're at Filio there, a kindly affection, a brotherly love, then we go to charity. Charity is not love, but it is the love for God based in doing his will. And that is uh, dynamic. It, those that love God do something. They don't just say they love God in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And the, you can see the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5.22, which the first manifest is love, then joy, peace gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, against since there is no law. This, Galatians 5.22, is the fruit of the love for God that he first loved us. Though anything that we have of love, be it, be it Stargate family, or be it Eros, uh, they're in sensual, or phileo, brotherly love, brotherly kindness, or agape is from God. All love is from him. So he's coming out of the wilderness, and he's talking about a progressive work in glory in the body of Christ, and it parallels the book of the Revelation. And we see here, now we go to verse 7, Behold his bed. Now the bed in the word of God is always for your rest. Now if we do not get this word, the better the bed is shorter than a man can stretch himself on it. In other words, there's no rest. There's no Holy Ghost rest. And there remaineth the rest of the people of God. And that is that eternal Sabbath, that eternal sabbatico. That's that Hebrews 4, there remaineth the rest of the people of God. And Paul warns and admonishes us, take heed lest a promise slip any of you. You should seem to come short of entering into his rest. Not our rest, his rest. That he has provided in the Holy Ghost through obedience. So whosoever we yield our members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom we obey. Even though we have the Holy Ghost, we can still be disobedient and sin unto death, carnally minded, and still die. Or of obedience unto righteousness, which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
So we love God. It requires us. Grace is not something that is static. It's a dynamic. It's an effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon our human spirit, our heart. Then in the will of man, literally obeying that voice, the voice of God. And it's greater than any other spirit out there. Greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. So hearing that voice and learning the voice of God and obedient, then we have a transformation, a renewed mind, not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind through this sacrificial life. And that's how we prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God for each believer is. And if a person doesn't make heaven and the kingdom of heaven, it is because they did not do the will of God. It's not only being a hearer of the word and going to church, paying tithes or whatever, but we have to do the will of God. Whatever you were created for is the conquest of life to find out what that calling is and then make that calling an election sure and prove it in the Lord Jesus Christ, realizing it's God that worketh in you, both the willing to do of his good pleasure and knowing that God's working in you, we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, walking softly before God, seeking God diligently, and then we will come out of that wilderness in the voice and the messenger of God and to the work of the ministry, which is a strange work. He's bringing to pass his act, his strange act. Judgment God is laying to the line now, righteousness to the plummet, to reveal that he is God alone, one God, not a oneness, not a binary, the Lord said unto my Lord. There's only one Lord that requires revelation and certainly not a trinity that we find in the Nicene Creed in 325 AD and certainly not the God-man, which even the oneness denominations have gone for in the 451 Chalcedonian definition of the God-man. While he was on uh, walking on water, he's God, and whenever he was weary with his journey, uh, he's man. And he's switching from God to man. No, total lie. There is only one revelation of Jesus that will be given to us here in the last days that will perfect the body of Christ until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And it will be through the Word of God. It won't be keeping a natural Sabbath. And they, well, I just keep the seventh day of the week and that, and, and that's it. No. It's talking about the work of the ministry. Therefore, we don't, no man judge us. Colossians 2, in a holy day, new moon, or of Sabbath. Let a man judge in that. Sabbath wasn't made for the man, but a man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for the man. And it talks about the last day work in winter, where snow and hail, God fulfilling his word. That's winter. And it's in the night that the man-child is birthed, Christ in you, the hope of glory, to the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus. And that uh, son of man revelation is that Jesus is the head and we are the body of the Christ. And he is leading us through, and there is a bed, that Holy Ghost rest, and we find it here in Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, thousand and five songs, and this is Song of Songs, and it's preemptive of the Song of the Lamb. 
Now Solomon numbered 3,000 proverbs, and Jesus spake in these proverbs. He said, no more do I speak in you of proverbs, but I'll show you plainly of the Father. It's all in the revelation of who he is, that he is God, the Father, the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty alone, and there's not another. There is no Trinity. There is no Tunis. There is no oneness. It's Jesus, the man who is God and God alone. And that is the work of the ministry in the last days before he comes as the last day work of the ministry, revealing his name, his essence, his power, his glory, his kingdom. And all shall know him from the least to the greatest. As uh, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. And all will know him when this work is done. For thy judgments are made manifest. And the ones that do know their God will sing the song of, the, song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. We're seeing this work and it's, it's a, a bed and that bed is a chariot and it's a carved work. The cherubim is a carved work upon the cedar, the cedar walls, and he'll uncover the cedar work, the carved work, the engraving, the sealing that he is doing now. And that's what the whole word of God is about in giving Jesus the glory due unto his name and his work, that Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. Now it says here, Behold his bed, which is Solomon's. It speaks of peace. And it's coming into the millennial reign of the kingdom age of peace that will reign upon the earth. And there will be one king and his name one, Zechariah 14. All nations will flow into it, for all will know him. And it says, Behold his bed, that bed which is Solomon's. Three score valiant men are about it of the valiant of Israel. We find there they all hold swords. They're expert in war. The warfare, faith, is a battle. It is warfare. Paul said, I've kept the faith. I've fought a good fight. It's a fight of faith. Here's the warfare. And the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh. Why would the sword be upon the thigh? Because of fear in the night. Well, it's night visions. And it's in the night where then they said a man-child is, is born. That is the birth of uh, the body of Christ coming to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ unto perfection. And that's what it's referring to there. But every man has his sword upon his thigh. The sword is uh, the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema. It's obedience to do the will of God in doing his will, what God has called each individual member for, compacted it together, of whichever joint supplies, bone to bone, the body of Christ coming together in the unity of the faith, and whichever joint supplies in that union to the edifying of itself in love. The catalyst is in love. That's what provokes us to good works, is the love of God constrains us. That's agape, the love of God that is spread abroad in our, abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. But it's in the night. And the sword, why would it be upon the thigh? Because the thigh 
when you take the whole armor of God and uh, that helmet of salvation, a breastplate of righteousness, uh, loins girt about with truth. The loins is truth, which is logos. It's the word of God. It's what you have in your chariot. It's in your bedchamber. It's it's your uh, word that you have in your oil in your lamp. The sword upon it is the rhema that everything you do in obedience is according to that logos. That's the reason the sword rhema is upon the thigh logos because everything in truth is sanctified through thy truth. Thy word is truth logos. And it's manifest in and through the living epistles, which we are a royal priesthood through the good works that we do and magnify and glorify our Lord Jesus, which is in heaven. So in this night, it's a time of darkness. Weeping endureth but for a night. Joy comes in the morning. And if we follow him to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. And he will come to us as the rain. This is preemptive to the latter reign of the Holy Ghost, which will be the former reign and latter reign in fullness of power. And it's there in this season now. Ask of your Lord reign in the time of the latter reign, so the Lord make bright clouds, send forth showers to everyone, grass in the field. He's promised it. And this is the love that is bringing it alone, which is the work of God. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. We didn't do it. The body of Christ didn't do it. No bishop did it. No apostle, prophet, or evangelist, pastor, teacher did it. It is God himself that has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's through his love. And that love constrains us. It's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And we, after we add to our faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, 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 temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness. Then we go to charity. And charity is not just love, not in love and in word and tongue, love and word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. A living epistle by seeing your good works. And that's the reason why in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, the second, third chapter of the Revelation, you find that Jesus said, I know thy works. And it's all, he's looking for perfect works. Just as he said in Sardis, the Sardis church in Revelation 3, I know thy works and I have not found them perfect. He's looking for perfect works through obedience, which is the work. Not an idea, not an ideology, but the work. The whole uh, manifestation of Jesus in and through the body of Christ. As Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Well, then who's living, Paul? Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. There's your love. And gave himself for me. Because he loved us, we love him and keep his commandments. And this is what? The Song of Solomon and the Song of Solomon. And Solomon numbered a thousand and five songs preemptive to the song of the Lamb, which is masculine because it is finished. All of it, the body of Christ has come unto perfection. 
and not the least grain has fell to the ground. But he said, I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil shall prevent nor overtake us. There's going to be tribulation. There's going to be trouble. And we have to be ready for it. Growing up into him in all things. We have to have the sealing of it in Revelation 7 in order to stand, which is a carved work. It is a carved chariot. And that's where we get into uh, the palaquin or uh, it, it's a covering. It's a ceiling. It is the bed there of rest in the Holy Ghost that God has for us. And it is a progression. It is a progressive glorification that he bores, is born, all of the body of Christ is born upon it uh, in this chariot of love. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying they all hold swords, export and war. war. Uh, every man hath his sword upon his thigh and for fear in the night. And then he said, King Solomon made himself a chariot. God is the one doing this. A chariot of the wood of Lebanon. This wood of Lebanon is the cedar work. And the cedar work, he will uncover the cedar work in Zephaniah 2. It's an engraving of an engraver. It's a ceiling. It's an engraving of a signet, a sign, a loftov. S-S-I-G-N, sign, E-T, a loftov. It is the work of the ministry in the uh, whole majesty of Jesus and all of his attributes from the aloft through the tov, literally being manifest in it through the body of Christ as a sign. And that is sign, that signet, sign aloft tov, is Zerubbabel. Haggai states that in Haggai 2, last verse. Zerubbabel, you are my signet. The hands of Zerubbabel, those that were born in Babylon, coming out to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Jesus, they've laid the foundation of the house, and their hands will finish it. It's the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. It's not by might, nor by power, not of any man's uh, uh, effort in himself, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And he's progressively, progressively doing it now, shedding abroad his love in revelation to the body of Christ, those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He said, uh, that chariot is of the wood of Lebanon. The chariot is that, is that love chamber. It's a nuptial bed. It's the, it's the, the catalyst of love, the banner over love that constrains us for the body of Christ to come into one, not a denomination, not being subject to a pastor or a bishop or whatever the case is, but literally being led of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and learning the voice of God in order to do His will in obedience. And that is, a, is the essential thing that must be done by each individual member in the body of Christ. We all, there are presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, total crucified life, crucifying the flesh with affections and the lust, and not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. That is the ceiling in Revelation 7. 
the servants of our God in their forehead. Seal them in the forehead. And that is that chariot, that nuptial bed, that sedan that God is going to carry us unto total perfection through the work of the Holy Ghost. And that banner is love. The catalyst is love. It's a cedar work out of the out of Lebanon. And he goes on and says, He made the pillars thereof of silver. Silver's always been redemption. The silver loops, they're holding up the loops holding up the curtains. The bottom thereof of gold. Gold is the glory. The covering of it of purple. The covering, the covering is the ceiling. It is the work of it. Purple is a king priest. It is the king priesthood of the body of Christ, which we are all called for as being kings and priests to the Lord our God. Paul was trying to convey this to the church at Hebrews and Hebrews, the fifth chapter. And he said, I'm trying to tell you about Melchizedek, Melech, King, Zadok, righteous. I'm trying to bring you the king priesthood message for you. But these things are hard to be uttered. The things of faith are hard to be uttered, seeing that you're dull of hearing. You're not far enough along in the word of God that you can, you can eat this meat. You have need of milk. For you are babies. And you have need of milk and not of strong meat. You need, when you ought to be teachers, we're lagging behind. We ought to be teachers. We should be further along in this season in the truth and what we are. We're lagging behind. Therefore, the Lord will do a work. He'll get out his chasing rod. And there he said, come and let's return to the Lord, for he hath torn. He will heal us. He hath smitten. He will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. This is not revival. We're in the third day. And that third day, he said, I'll raise you up and you will live in my sight. If we follow on to know the Lord, not just babies, not little children, not young men, but follow on to know the Lord to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And he said, his going forth is prepared as the morning. This is in the night where the sword is upon the thigh. This is the night when the man child is born. This is the night when we will overcome the wicked one through the word of God that is strong in us. That's where we are now. That's where we are in Revelation 4 and 5, fourth and fifth chapter of the Revelation, which are the living creatures, which is the body of Christ in a higher glory than Pentecost. Much higher. It's called the testimony of Jesus. They have the spirit of prophecy, which is the faith that was once delivered to the saints in a higher glory, not Pentecostal, former rain faith, but the latter rain, the new wine, the new thing that God is doing. The new wine and the new wineskins have to be prepared in order to receive the new wine. And if the body of Christ doesn't, he will raise up others that will. But that that is determined will be done. He made the pillars thereof of silver, the bottom of gold, covering of it purple, the covering. And that covering is that cherubim work of glory, the king priesthood, shadowing the mercy seat. Well, it's a work of God. It's a strange work. Judgment to the line, righteousness to the plummet, which will reveal the height, depth, length, and width of Christ, him alone, not for any of the body of Christ's glory, 
not any of the church's glory, but for the glory of God, Jesus Christ himself. The midst thereof being paid, what's getting us there? The whole midst of it, the whole broad spectrum of it is love. God's love is the, is, is the propitiatory. It is the catalyst. It is the dynamic that's compelling us to move into the truth and obey him, even unto sealing our testimony with our own blood. And he said, this is for the daughters of Jerusalem. There is the work of the ministry. He's preparing the cherubim of glory. They are the carved work. We find that in 1 Kings 6. Matter of fact, as we look at 1 Kings, and he tells us in that these olive trees, we find that in Revelation 11. There was a reed like unto a rod given to me, saying, Rise, Messers the temple. What know you not? Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And the altar, that's your sacrificial life and prayer life, sacrificing your life upon the altar of God to do his will. And then uh, uh, the worship. And that is worshiping God in spirit, two criteria, spirit and in truth. Measure that. Measure the temple, the altar, and them that worship therein. But the court which is without, leave out and measure it not. Why? It's given to the Gentiles. The rod of God is not upon the head of the wicked. He said, I give power to my two servants, my two witnesses, these two prophets, which is the body of Christ. And those will work in the work of the ministry. These are the two olive trees. They are the two candlesticks. The olive trees is the carving. It's the sealing. Only those that are sealed will be there. It's, it is a carved work of the chariot. A carving means to cut or to carve, to cut out this cedar of Lebanon. It's uncovering the cedar work. Why do we see that? Because the walls of cedar are in Solomon's temple and talking about tabernacle. Why? Because Moses' tabernacle was dedicated in Passover, the season of Passover. It didn't have Yaking of Boaz. It didn't have uh, the porch of judgment. It didn't have legs as mobility of Yaking and Boaz as a man. But in Solomon's temple, it did. And three levels. And that three levels from Passover uh, to Pentecost to Tabernacles. All three manifest there in Solomon's temple. The seasons of God coming unto perfection. All seven feasts. Not just one or two or three, but all seven. Three seasons of God with seven feasts of the Lord. Fully grown up into Jesus in all things. There, the temple of Solomon was dedicated in Tishri, Ethneim, the seventh month. And it's in the seventh month and the 21st day of the seventh month in Haggai, the second chapter, that we find the he's shaking all nations and the desire of all nations will come. And I'll make the glory of the latter house, the latter reign, that latter church of God, that letter, that latter ecclesia, greater than that of the former, far, far greater than that we read in the book of Acts. And it is a work of the living creatures, the work of the Holy Ghost in and through the body of Christ, the cherubim. And those are the ones 
that will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness in all nations, and then the end will come. Let's take a look at the Word of God. This is uncovering the cedar work. Uncovering the cedar work, Zephaniah 2, what is the cedar work? Well, that's the cedars of Lebanon. That's the wood of Lebanon. That's what the whole chariot is made of. That's what the nuptial chamber of Solomon, which is bedecked with love, is made of. And we find here that he says in 1 Kings 6, 23, he tells us what the olive trees are. Those are the two witnesses, two, two olive trees. And in there, which is the body of Christ, the living creatures, the zoe, the beast before the throne in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. And within the oracle, this is 1 Kings 6, 23, within the veil. Now, this is not Pentecost. This is not in the sanctuary, the holy place. Now we're going within the final season of God where the cherubim are overshadowing, shadowing that mercy seat. These are 10 cubits high, olive trees, five cubit wingspan on each one, going a full 20 cubits from wall to wall, touching the cedar work, the walls of salvation. And it says there, within the oracle, he made two cherubims. What are they? They're the olive trees, each 10 cubits high. Five cubits was the one wing of the cherub. Five cubits, the other wing of the cherub. From the uttermost part of the one wing until the uttermost part of the other were 10 cubits for each cherub. And the other cherub was 10 cubits. Same exactly thing. But both the cherubims were of one measure and one size. That measure is none other than the measure of Jesus. Jesus is a cherubim in Genesis 3.24. It is a, a type of Jesus. He said cherubim's capital C, deity, not angel, at the east end of the garden of God with a flaming sword. Now, the sword of the spirit, we know what the sword is, and we know what that cherubim is. It's a lion, man, an ox, and eagle. It's a capital C, which is the four faces of Jesus, he is the lion in the gospel according to Matthew. He's the perfect man in the gospel according to Luke. He is that suffering servant, the ox, in the gospel according to Luke. And he is the flying eagle there in the gospel according to John. Now, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, not has come is coming, still coming in the flesh. The flesh is the body of Christ, the literal body of the Christ now, and we are the feet generation of Jesus Christ. We're not him, but we are ambassadors for him. He's Christ, but Christ is in us. We're not Christ, but Christ is in us. We're sons and daughters of God, but we're not God. And that work will be manifesting and through us not for our glory, but for his glory. We're standing in the power of his might, not ours. And we find these living creatures in Revelation 4, Revelation 5, and they are the ones that will be used in bringing uh, this gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom, to all the world for witness in all nations. And it'll go from a white to a red to a black pale horse. And then we'll see under the fifth, Seal, souls of them slain for the word of God, the testimony which they held. And uh, this is uh, the work of the ministry through the body of Christ.
not a pre-tribulation rapture. She has two wings of a great eagle where she flieth, not the heaven, where she flieth into the wilderness. Here it is. Canticles, Song of Solomon, 3, 9. They're in the wilderness, coming out of the wilderness. 6, 7, 8, 9. Uh, Song 3, 6 through 9. He's coming out of the wilderness, the body of Christ. Through this bedchamber, we're carried upon this, be decked with love. That's the catalyst for it all. And we find these cherubim are the carved work of the cedar. That is the chariot. That is the work of the ministry. It is through the body of Christ, in and through the literal ecclesia, the called out ones, the body of Christ, not a denomination. A denomination won't see it. But the body of Christ will. He'll share his glory with no one. There's no denomination that says, we've got it. It'll be the body of Christ in a broken, humble, and contrite spirit working and walking in the light as he's in the light, giving him the glory, walking softly before God. And there we have the two olive trees, which are the two cherubim of glory. And the height of one cherub, ten cubit, and so was the other cherub. Now watch it. And said, he set the cherubim within the inner house. That's the latter house. He'll make the glory of the latter house greater than the former. Zechariah 2. Uh, I'm sorry, Haggai 2. Zechariah 3, there's a change of raiment going on now. For the ones called by his name and Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus. And there's a change of raiment for the work that is ahead for us, for those that are sealed. And he says, uh, they stretch forth the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of the one, one touched the one wall and the wing of the other cherub touched the other wall. That's the walls of salvation. That's the cedar work. They're touching the walls of cedar, which is a carved work of cherubim on them. And their wings touch one another in the midst of the house. What is that? The unity of the faith in one measure. One unit, one measure in the unity of the faith. And that is where we are called now and we're lagging behind as the body of Christ. And he overlaid the cherubim with gold, the glory. He carved all the walls of the house round about. That's the walls of cedar. Round about what did it, with carved figures of cherubim. There's the living creatures, the cherubim of Revelation 4, Revelation 5, the Zoe, and palm trees and open flowers. Palm trees lets us know that it is not Pentecost. It's not going back to Azusa Street. It's not going back to the former reign. It is going to the latter, the latter house, the greater house, the last great reign of his strength, the new thing that God is doing in this new thing in the new wine. And there he said, it's carved with cherubim, palm trees, which is the tabernacle season, not Pentecost. These will not be Pentecostal. They'll be tabernacleist. They'll be walking in the present truth and open flowers. What does that mean? It's budded. We're in the season that the fruit is there as a sweet incense to God. And within and without. And the floor of the house, he overlaid with gold within and without. The floor of the house is fur. And for the entering of the oracle, 
even the doors to get in. I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, open the door. I'll sup with him and he with me. What are those? Those doors are of an olive tree. We're back to the olive again. Everything in this work has to do with the body of Christ in the last day work of the ministry of the cherubim, which is a cedar work. That chariot is of cedar. The chariot is the cherubim. And God's doing it now to those that have an ear to hear. Now, some will sit back and go to church and they'll just let it pass them on by. But God will have a people that will come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man to the measure of Jesus Christ. Growing up into him in all things, in all truth. Not waiting for it in the sweet by and by. And it says, those doors, they're they, that, the, of the olive tree, the little side post, were a fifth part of the wall. In other words, five there instead of four on the outer, and then to the inner there, or the holy, most holy place, a fifth or five. These two doors were of olive tree. The door, the walls, the cherubim, all of olive, olive everywhere. What is that? That's a work of the ministry. It's a carved work. He's carving it in the walls. We see here. And the two doors were of olive trees and carved upon them carvings of cherubim. That's an engraving, the engraving of a signet. The signet is a sign, S-I-G-N, E-T, aloft tov. It's a sign of the full attributes of God manifest in these living creatures because they have been transformed and with a renewed, renewed mind, and they will be sealed in their in their foreheads, in the mind of Christ. And palm trees with open flowers again. That lets us know it's not Pentecost, it's tabernacles. Who has an ear to hear? Oh, that they were wise, that they understood their latter end. To the law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and to the testimony, the testimony of Jesus. If any speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in them. I overlaid them with gold, spread gold upon the cherubims and upon the palm trees. He made the door. Gone down the two doors of fir tree, two leaves of the one door, folding the two leaves of the other door, with folding, verse 35. And he carved their own. This is a carved work of the, the ministers of God. Not Pentecostal ministers. Tabernacle ministers. Not the old wine, but the new wine. They are the new wineskins. This is First Kings six thirty-five, and he carved an engraving of an engraver. Exodus twenty-eight for the king priesthood. Those are the ones the garments of the high priest. They were carved according to the birth, an engravings of an engraver according to the birth. But then they grew. Then there was an engraving of an engraver according to the works. And there was four rows, three in each row of the tribes. And where that's the reason we find the sealing of that in a different order in Revelation 7. And we'll go into those orders later. Why he changed those orders totally from the work in the first breastplate of judgment to where they are in Revelation 7, a total different arrangement. And there in the cherubims, a carved work, they're of cherubim, living creatures, and palm trees, 
and open flowers. This is engraving of an engraver. So after you've gone through the birth in Exodus 28 of the high priest, then it's a carved work again of a signet in the work of the ministry, according to the order of the tribes. Then the last one is the mitre of a blue, a gold, holiness unto the Lord. Set it upon the forehead of the high priest. That's the sealing, indicative of the sealing of the body of Christ in the priesthood, in the apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7. The servants of our God sealed in their foreheads. There, we see they covered them with gold fitted upon the carved work. What's a carved work? It's a sealed work. It's a covering work. The tapestry there of gold. There of love. There of the glory of God and purple. It's the king priesthood. That's the reason purple is uh, the, the mixture of gold, of, of red, scarlet, and blue together. And the blue never touched the scarlet, and scarlet never touched the blue in the word of God. Because the scarlet is man, the blood, and blue is heaven, the spirit. And there we come to the final so if you go the rainbow, the work of God around the throne, it goes from scarlet, orange, yellow, green. Then we go to, which is everlasting life. Then we go to the blue. That blue is the heavenly. Then indigo, dark blue, then purple. Final work is king priesthood. That the Lord will be king of kings and Lord of lords. And he will rule and reign in the earth. And we, the kings and priests, will reign with him for a thousand years. This is the work that God is doing now, sealing right now for those that have an ear to hear. We're late in receiving the word of God. If this bears witness with your spirit, the spirit, the Holy Ghost bears witness with your spirit that this is the truth, we would love to meet you. God bringing his body into one in the unity of the faith. We've heard, we're hearing from many of you. And we thank you for your prayers and your financial support. That's the only way we stay on with these podcasts and bringing them to you. We thank you for it. And I know God will bless you. We pray God bless you 30, 60, 100 fold. If this has moved on you and you feel it's the truth and the Lord's dealing with you, please, let's meet, join up together in the unity of the faith. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas zip code 75606 or you can reach us message us on our websites and there also if you have a question please please ask it we'll do our best to answer as servants of the Lord Jesus Christ the websites there message us sealinggodspeople.com sealinggodspeople.org or dennisbeard.org we'd love to hear from you you do, I'll definitely get in contact with you. I look forward, I look forward to hearing from you and there in meeting you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold the real Jesus.